Welcome everyone to today's time together and inquiry. It's a lovely practice now watching the number uh, grow as participants uh, arrive. I'm sure a few more will arrive in the next few minutes. So let's begin uh, with our sitting, our basic practice of a silent, upright, attentive sitting, which as a reminder, isn't a way of turning inward, isn't a retreat inside. It's a sitting upright uh, with everything, our, bringing our full presence to each moment very simply without having to engage in any particular activity with an open heart and a, a wakeful mind as best we can, with an alert body as best we can, with all of our limitations, just to bringing ourselves fully in the moment and just meeting it breath after breath. And not only is it not a turn inward, we're also not waiting for something next. We're just moving with each breath and being with whatever arrives. So let's enjoy sitting together for a few moments. At the end, we'll chant the verse of the robe three times as we typically do.
And now the verse of the robe. Uh, please chant along with me. A vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching. I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. may seem a little um, strange in some ways to do these um, repetitive verses or chants when you can only hear yourself or the speaker, in this case me. Uh, and sometimes it may seem a little strange to spend our precious time what uh, appears to be uh, doing nothing, just, just sitting in the beginning. And you can rationalize and make a case for, for example, the sitting by making up all kinds of ideas about how it's beneficial. But that's really not the essential quality that's important to remember. And we'll reflect on this in, in just a moment. <clears throat> and in terms of the verses that we sometimes repeat in the beginning, the verse of the robe, and at the end, the four practice principles, they help us remember uh, some of the essence of the, the teaching and they uh, keep us connected to the forms. And when we're so dispersed and things are um, challenging as they are now and we can't come together, actually using a few forms are important as a way to stitch our practice and our intention together and hold it together in, in a beautiful way. It's said that Zazen, which is the, the name that's given for Zen sitting, uh, is, is not quite meditation. In other words, it's not actually a yogic activity that we engage in to achieve a certain beneficial result. Those benefits may come, but the Zazen that we practice is a sitting for its own sake in order to express our understanding that our basic nature is freedom. We even chant in the beginning, vast is the robe of liberation. What's vast is this liberation that we're going to express. A formless field of benefaction. Goodness then expresses itself in many, many forms. If you look around, it's, it's the quality of your entire life, although it doesn't seem that way always. And realizing, taking it into your body, wearing those teachings, you realize the one true nature, the, the connection with everything, and that begins to harmonize one's life. So one of the things that is a challenge uh, for me during this time isn't so much the, the distance. I feel wonderfully connected and so many people reach out to me 
I enjoy this time. Um, the technology we get used to, and they're a little challenging. The, the deepest challenge is what do I bring forward that seems to make any sense given the situation that we're immersed in right now? And so I, I have to come back to what's most essential. I, many of you know, I will use the phrase, how simple are you willing to let this be? Um, as we practice to not let it be more complicated. So I went back to uh, Suzuki Roshi's um, Zen mind, beginner's mind, since it's a, um, a fundamental source. I wouldn't even say text, but it's a, a fundamental source of um, wisdom and teachings that are foundational in our lineage and in our, our practice. And if you later want to take a look that the chapters are quite brief because they're just pieces of talks that he gave a long time ago. And the chapter on page 53 entitled Single-Minded Way, Single-Minded Way is something that I return to when um, I want to remember uh, uh, what, are we, what are we doing? Um, and there's a very beautiful phrase in the midst of his talk, which I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna read little pieces of it just for reflection today before we begin our questions and answers. And here is the, the phrase that, that stands out. He said, even if the sun were to rise from the West, the Bodhisattva has only one way. Even if the sun were to rise from the West, the Bodhisattva has only one way. Even if everything was turned around completely, a person dedicated to this practice for the benefit of others still practices in only one way. And this pandemic has, um, in a sense, it feels like everything's turned around as if the sun came up in the West, if everything is upended. Uh, we certainly all, all know that everything's turned around. And then, then it continues to change. We have these questions. Are, are we supposed to open up? Are we supposed to stay closed? Are we supposed to wear a mask? Should we continue to distance? Should we remain at home? Should we venture out? And there's so many conflicting pieces of information and so much division and pull and turmoil around all of this. And navigating this ever-changing landscape with uncertainty, without certainty, is what our practice offers us. It doesn't offer us certainty, which is, of course, what we would like and what we would uh, want in any uh, practice that we do. But this is a more challenging, more powerful, and more transformational practice, navigating the ever-changing landscape without certainty but with other important qualities which are essential for our practice. And, and that's what Suzuki Roshi talked about in this little chapter. Remember that navigating this ever-changing landscape um, right now, we see the essence that the Buddha taught quite clearly. I, I hardly need to repeat it for you. The relative impermanence of interdependence, how each thing affects something else one decision here makes a big difference over there. People's lives hang in the balance as a result. 
how everything continues to change. And dukkha, which is the fundamental term, which often is translated as suffering or dissatisfaction or anguish or things being off, is a result of not appreciating and not being willing to move with the ever-changing contingent flow of impermanence, not understanding how delicately balanced our interdependence is. So these are, are foundational. Here are some of Suzuki Roshi's words. He, he began this particular talk in a way that was very dear to my heart. He said, the purpose of my talk is not to give you some intellectual understanding, but just to express my appreciation of our Zen practice. And this is certainly what I hope uh, to convey each time that we, that we meet in this way. Uh, we, I, I say we, meaning me, uh, Peg, all, all the other lay teachers, and all the sanghas that are part of our, our world of Apamada. We talk and talk and we write, but not necessarily to inform, although sometimes there are things to, to learn, not to explain or give intellectual understanding, although sometimes those things open up, but just to express our appreciation of our Zen practice. And maybe the most important thing in the midst of all the difficulties that we live in right now is to appreciate our practice, which is to appreciate our lives. He says later in, the, in his talk, he said, our, our way is not to sit to acquire something, it's to express our true nature. This is our practice. And, and I mentioned this earlier when we were sitting. Our way isn't to um, endeavor to practice so that we will get something. Sometimes we receive uh, gifts, uh, moments of grace, other things that open for us, but that's not its um, function. It's to express our true nature, to understand this um, field of benefaction in which we rest, the, our true nature, the one true nature which we share. This is our practice. It's sometimes said that zazen is the ability to sit without a preference for enlightenment or delusion. If we're sitting and we feel deluded and confused, Zazen doesn't have an aversion to delusion and confusion and difficulty. And if we sit and we feel awake and free, enlightened, Zazen doesn't have a preference for this wakefulness, this freedom or this enlightenment, but we do. How do we step back into that place that is not so attached to preferences and just continue to express our true nature? So appreciation is the first key. Secondly, he goes on to say, if you want to express yourself, your true nature, there should be some natural and appropriate way of expression. And then he, he talks about the fundamentals of practice, especially Zazen. So he, he says later, so we should not do it as if we were preparing for something else. This should be true in our everyday life. To cook, or to fix some food is not preparation, according to Dogen, our teachers. It is practice. To cook is not just to prepare food for someone or for yourself. It is to express your sincerity. 
And this is the second key, appreciation and sincerity. You can cook to make something, and goodness knows we're all having to do that now. Um, we're having to figure out how to acquire food and how to make it and um, clean up. And it, it's something that's always done, but in contemporary world, so many of us have relied on others to help us with that by going out or doing other things that, uh, but now we're on our own quite a bit. We have to remember that this is an expression of our sincerity, not just making a meal, not just a function, appreciating our life and living it with sincerity. He says, it's necessary to sit in Zazen in this way, but sitting is not our only way. Whatever we do, it should be an expression of the same deep activity. We should appreciate what we're doing. There is no preparation for something else. This is hard to convey, I think, um, especially when we're so challenged and there's so many things that we wanna solve. Um, that we sit in this simple way, but also it's the way we understand all activity, how we uh, live our lives, how to call forward this deep activity that's not attached to outcomes and not attached to our preferences, not attached to our failures, not attached to our relationships or lack of them, but to deeply appreciate our life and offer our sincerity to each moment not preparing for something else. I think I've mentioned there's an interesting little book that was um, published by Zen teacher Sherry Huber, which is a kind of a question and answer book, Essentials of Zen Practice. And the title of that book is Nothing Happens Next. It's kind of a cheeky, uh, humorous title, but uh, focusing on just this essence. So I want to get back to uh, the real core of Suzuki Roshi's teachings in this. He says, the Bodhisattva's way is called the single-minded way or one railway track thousands of miles long. This is his image. The railway track is always the same. If it were to become wider or narrower, it would be disastrous. Wherever you go, the railway track is always the same. This is the Bodhisattva's way. So even if the sun were to rise from the west, the Bodhisattva has only one way. Her way is in each moment to express her nature and her sincerity. We say railway track, but actually there's no such thing. Sincerity itself is the railway track. The sights we see from the train will change, but we're always running on the same track and there's no beginning or end to the track. Beginningless and endless track. There's no starting point, no goal, nothing to attain. Just to run on the track is our way. This is the nature of our Zen practice. He speaks a little more about this and then later says, how, uh, some people wonder, how is it possible for the Bodhisattva always to be the same? What is her secret? but there is no secret. He said, everyone has the same nature as the railway track. Everybody has this capacity for sincerity, this capacity for appreciation and to continue uh, no matter what the situation. 
So I, I really love this, this image. If our practice, if we contract or we expand too much, if a train, if the, the tracks were to change, it would be disastrous for the train. Just continue our practice steadily. As I was reading this small piece and reflecting on its beauty and all the years that I've sat with it and the many times that I've read it, um, I was thinking about a time when I was in Japan with um, my primary teacher, Blanche Hartman, and her ordination teacher and transmission teacher, Sojin Mel Weitzman, and how he was uh, very kind to me um, when we were there. And um, in another small book of reflections on the life of Suzuki Roshi, he writes these things. He says, Suzuki Roshi gave me a turning words. This is a, a Zen phrase about something that, um, short teachings that have a profound impact. He said once, he just walked up to me and said, you know, just to be alive is enough. This statement gave me a new dimension to the way I thought and still remains a, a koan, a, a question for me. Just to be alive is enough. Just to appreciate one's life, just to express it with sincerity, just to be alive is enough. That is so far from the way most people think about things, especially in the West, especially in the United States. I'm not sure about other places, but it's just to be alive isn't enough. We strive for things, we struggle, we compete. And what we're immersed in, what we see on the news, what we hear around us is that's not what being successful is about. And yet in this time, to be alive is quite a bit. It's something that I've has been a big challenge for me in semi-retirement. I'm not retired, but pulling back, I have to remind myself it, it, it's okay not to be constantly busy as I slowly untangle my addictions to, to work and busyness. But even deeper than that, that's a functional change, but just to be alive is enough to appreciate one's life and to express it with sincerity. Mel says, another time I ask him, what is nirvana? And Suzuki Roshi replied, just seeing one thing through to the end. What is nirvana? What is freedom? What is liberation? What is the extinguishing of desires and contractions? Is to see one thing through to the end, to actually engage one's life with full sincerity. Just to be alive is enough, appreciating your life. Seeing one thing through to the end, fully sincere in one's life. And then speaking to the core of what he taught, Suzuki Roshi would say, Mel reports, I can't give you anything but my Zen spirit. And this takes me back to the very beginning of my reflections today. I can't give you anything really but my own spirit, my own appreciation, my own sincerity. There are times when uh, 
I have more enthusiasm and less enthusiasm, more energy or less energy, just like everyone. And I don't have answers. But I do have my own deep appreciation of my life and an immense appreciation for yours. I can offer my sincerity and my care and an expression of that care as limited as it can be at times. And I can offer my dedication, seeing things through, and my discipline to see things through to the end, my own sin spirit. Whether that's through this pandemic, um, just through our everyday relationships. I've told a story before, the first one day sitting that I actually ever did many, many years ago at San Francisco Zen Center. And I was able to speak to Blanche that day uh, for the first time, um, or one of the first times in a private interview with her in Dokusan, a practice discussion. And I sat in front of her in the very room that Suzuki Roshi used to teach in. And I said, you know, when I'm at home back then in Austin, I, every day I think about being here in San Francisco at the Zen Center uh, training. And it's something that I'm drawn to and doesn't ever leave me. And I have this longing, I have a yearning to practice deeply. And now that I'm here and I'm sitting in the Zendo with where all the teachers that I revere had sat and with all the history that's here doing exactly what I wanted to do, all I can think of is, what in the heck am I doing? I, I don't know what this is. And she laughed and she said, yeah, my teacher said to me, if you're a serious student and that question doesn't come up, you're probably not paying attention. She said, so go back to the Zendo and sit and just sit with the question, what am I doing on this cushion? What am I doing in this Zendo? What am I doing in this Zen center? And she paused and she looked down and and she looked up right in my eyes and said, what am I doing in this life? Do I actually appreciate my life? Do I bring my sincere effort to each moment as best I can with its limitations? Do I stay on the railway track? Do I express my dedication and discipline, uh, which are called my bodhisattva vows? And can I continue to encourage this spirit in myself and others? Because that's really all I have to offer is my own life in this kind of spirit. So I hope that, that these things might be in some way um, useful to you uh, or a kind of a reminder of the essence of practice in the midst of a time when there's so much that's uncertain and so much that, uh, that we can't really sort out. We have to just keep meeting things as they change one moment at a time and sometimes just one breath at a time. So please, uh, one of the ways to express your own sincerity and to appreciate our life together and to see our way through is to raise your hand. Uh, and then we can meet and in that meeting discover what's, what's here and discover our own shared um, spirit and how that spirit can carry us through.
Richard? Nice to see you. It's good to see you. Yeah, I don't know if you can see this. Yes, your ukulele? From Hawaii. Yes. Well, I remember when you had just gotten it. Yes, and you were, you told me where to go to buy it. Anyway, and I did, and I, I cherish it. I keep it close so I can always grab it. Yeah. But anyway, it's really nice to see you. The first thing I want to say is that there is a little bit of lag time. So if I watch your lips and then I hear the words, they're not quite connected. So it might take oh. me a second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, it, it's been a strange time for all of us. And uh, one of the things that has really uh, been such a positive about this is that I've, I've really slowed way down mm -hmm. uh, as a person who was so used to doing, doing, going, going, checking off my to-do list and always having those. So it's been a real blessing. I, I don't feel guilty, but of course I feel heartbroken by all the people who have passed away. It's terrible. And, uh, but uh, my wife and I have gotten much closer. She's around all the time, which was not the case, as you know. And you know, I know you know Julianne well. Yeah. So it's been a uh, a time like no other for me. Right. One of the things that um, I just wanted to run by you, I don't think I have a question. In fact, I'm pretty sure I don't. But again, things going very well. My health, my son, everything, you know, seems to be going well, almost to the point I've, you know, I, a little part of me is waiting for the shoe to drop, you know, what what could happen. But mostly uh, appreciating all that I have. So I went up to um, a place called Juice Land, uh, right around the corner from me, you know it, to get my every other day smoothie. And the I people still have are so some free credits left there that I have to come back and get. <laughs> okay, there you go. I'll <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you get a smoothie on so, my points. So. Okay, okay, well, I, I, I need your number. No, I'm kidding. But, um, so I got out of my car and they just have a person at the front and a piece of glass in front of them so you can go up. And there was a woman in front of me, so I didn't get close, but I was wearing my mask and she turned around and she said, oh, it's been shown that you don't need masks. They're not helpful at all. And I just didn't say anything. And then she said, I'm a nurse. And all this COVID stuff is way overblown. It's kind of a hoax. She said, everybody that dies, they call it COVID. So the numbers are way inflated. And of course I could start feeling a little bit of pushback there. And I decided actually not to say anything because I thought I would say something stupid uh, because I was thinking something stupid. Like, it, you know, she, so she wasn't wearing a mask and so my, a part of me wanted to say, um, it's really not just about you. The masks is about, since, particularly since you work with sick people all day, maybe protecting them from you that you could spread. I, but I said nothing. But I obsessed about it. I mean, she went on her way and she, another kind of rant about how this was all, you know, uh, hoax and there, it just wasn't that big of a deal. And she started into all the, well, there's more flu deaths. And anyway, and I was standing there trying to just be quiet and uh, sit with it. And, uh, but my head was spinning. 
so anyway, she left. I got my smoothie. I went home and I told Julianne about it. and She was incensed too. And so we started to vent a little bit about how could somebody be so selfish and everything. So I, I know there's no answer. I know that's that part of me that got really activated. I just, I guess I wanted to avow it and to just say, you know, uh, as much as I practice, all that stuff doesn't seem to go away. And, and I'm always reminded of your, your uh, thing you've told me many, many times, which is freedom within uh, uh, fear, anger, all this, not freedom from it. And so anyway, that's kind of my just avowing that uh, my more than humanness here uh, was fully on display to me and to Julianne. <laughs> So well, if you think about the railway track that we were just mentioning, mm -hmm. um, one of the ways that I ask myself, am I staying on track, is will, in this case, let's say speaking, will this increase suffering for me and others, or will it decrease suffering for me and others? Mm. And sometimes renunciation, just doing nothing is the most important thing. And to contain what otherwise would just cause more suffering for yourself or others, especially if it doesn't seem like there's an opportunity. My main internal response, as you told the story, was just to become tearful. Mm -hmm. It's just so sad. Not the particular thing she said, that's not the issue. Mm -hmm but the gap, the difficulties, that the, everything is just so heartbreaking. It is. That's exactly the way I felt. When I could let go of the story, the story was pretty strong. Right. And that's um, where it's easy to get off the track. Yeah, that's that second arrow I was adding. The first arrow was there. The second arrow I was feeding into. So uh, once I could let go of that, I, you know, she was suffering in her own way. It was hard to see that. And certainly at the time, it was impossible for me to see that. Yeah. But she, she was suffering too, uh, in some way. I wasn't exactly sure how, but, but it, it just, you know, it kind of softened things a little bit. Yes. And then if you want to do a practice later, you could always send loving kindness to her uh -huh. and to all of those parts of you which were triggered. So it goes thank both you. ways. It goes both ways. Thank, yeah, thank you. That's that's very helpful, the self-compassion, but also compassion for everybody who's suffering. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone's suffering. That was you two just were moments of that suffering, but yeah. Well, thanks. thank you. Very, thank you so much. I really and so nice to see you again. I love your shirt. Oh, thank you. Say that. <laughs> bye bye. Song for me later. Okay, I'll hear it. I will. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I'll say as we're waiting for the next person to uh, come along that the question of is this going to cause more suffering or less suffering is one question I ask. And sometimes another is uh, what's the highest and best use of the Dharma right now in, in my, my energies. 
Hi, how are you? Hi, Clint. Good to see you again. It's good to see you again. Well, I too don't really have a question. It's more an observation. Uh -huh. And that is that, I mean, I didn't think I was going too fast a pace anyway, because I've been retired for quite a little while. But I guess I was going faster than I am now. And during this quieter time, it's allowed, well, that's a nice word, it's allowed me to pay attention to things like, um, that are bothering me. And my cue is always that somewhere in my, you know, kind of in my stomach, I, get, I begin to get, and my shoulders tense a little, and I just began to feel a little tight. I'm, I'm edgy, mm -hmm. feeling edgy. And in the past, I think I just ran away from it. I just thought, oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're better than that. Yeah, never mind. And I go off and do something else, but um, I'm facing it more now. Mm -hmm. And just um, using a lot of uh, breathing and a lot of, um, you know, just chants and other things. And it's very interesting. Well, this is our everyday life practice that Suzuki Rishi was talking about. It's almost like the pandemic puts us into an intensive in which uh, things are narrowed like it is in a meditation intensive. And then we begin to notice what we don't normally notice. And you, what we don't really want to notice. Yes. Well, remember my definition of a retreat is the place you go to retreat from all the ways you retreat from your life. <laughs> yes. And yes. You're, you're giving us a great description of it. Yeah. Um, in, in the slower pace and sort of literally facing the wall, mm -hmm. you notice what you normally don't notice. In our early on in some of the Hakomi weekends that you came to, we talked about the signal to noise ratio. We start turning down the noise. Mm -hmm. so we're noticing those little signals. Little things, yeah. Huh. So it's it's been um, just very interesting. Um, the other day, someone said, well, do you think my practice will help the help me in the pandemic? And someone mm -hmm. else said, no, the pandemic <laughs> will help me with my practice. And I've, that's just stuck with me. Yeah, and well, I'm seeing that that's what's happening. Yeah, there's really no difference, is there? If we yes. are appreciating yes. our life and offering ourselves in a sincere way to see things through to the end, then this is our life. And like you just said, sort of sending the loving kindness, you know, out to people that are the, they're the irritants, of course. Of course. And, <laughs> and me. And, and to the one who's irritated. That's right. And to just pay attention to that and, you know, it's made it, it's not easy, but it's made it better. Yeah. So thank you for your teachings. Thank you for your expression, your teaching.
Hi, Jody. Hey, Flint. Are you still in New Jersey? Yeah, until Friday. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure when you returned to the Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to see you be seen. Yes. It's yeah. good to be seen and to see. Yeah. Sometimes that's the sincerest form of our appreciation, isn't it? To be able to just see each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Help me touch into my heart a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I said when I was speaking to Richard that when he talked about the the conflict that arose, I, I felt kind of tearful. But I realize as I see each name coming up, I feel it too. Maybe I'm just tearful today. Mm. <laughs> but it's um, a sense of real appreciation for how many people I care about and who in turn care for me. It's just so um, wonderful in a world that seems so broken, you know, and yet yeah. full. And it's hard for me to remember that there's care and that like I can, I can reach out. And so it, yeah. it, it really helps to have this reminder and this continuity of relationship over the years. It's like, oh, I can keep coming back to this. I can mm -hmm. keep coming back. And anytime I forget, I can, I can keep coming back. Absolutely. I was talking to my mom and my sister on the phone before inquiry today, checking in and we just, you know, having to deal with things with my dad's death and, I was talking about something that was disturbing or difficult for me. And my sister said, but inquiry will help mm. me, <laughs> you know, yeah. the connection, just the connection, uh, because that expression of sincerity brings me back home. Mm. And I know that's true because I've seen it in you over the years that we practiced together. Yeah. Yeah. So this like railway thing mm -hmm. I quite like, but it also, I get a little bit worried that it's something I'm going to like try and cling to for like certainty. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, it's, it's an analogy to help us know that we, no matter what happens, remember your vow. Really? And that, that's the way I think about it. Otherwise it can feel rigid or a fundamentalist kind of, we only do it this one way. I, I don't think that was his, his message, or not the one I received anyway. It's a, an expression of no matter how things go, even if they're crazy, even if you move to one country and have to move back again and you feel disappointment and uh, all that, do you continue to um, appreciate your life and express yourself with sincerity? Do you still sit now and then? Do you cook your meals with some focus, you know? And reach out and connect and let yourself be cared for, whatever your practice edge might be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are times when I really struggle to appreciate my life. Yes, and that's hard when it's turned upside down, when the sun comes up in the west. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I hope that your move goes as smooth as it can. Your landing is gentle and your friends welcome you with warm hearts and yeah. 
maybe even a hug now and then if you can get one i don't know some of them are like really social distancing and i'm like oh yeah. fuck well do your best see yeah. what happens yeah bound <laughs> yeah do you have a practice for like opening more towards appreciation what practice to like to open more towards appreciation appreciation well i think for, for me i first have to just notice what's around me instead of keep my head down so to speak which means you means usually kind of caught in the self-centered dream you know too close to him and so for me um, before getting to some lovely idea of appreciation i have to actually like wake up and start noticing what there is to appreciate um, if there's an object of appreciation, there may not be. It may just be appreciating that I'm uh, alive. N nature helps. Uh, connection, like you're raising your hand doing this. You, you said you could already feel it. Yeah. I need help. I, it's, I'm not going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to have to have somebody else helping me sometimes. But that could be nature. It could be another person. Um, could be engaging in something fully and doing my job and really paying attention to what I'm doing instead of being a, what one teacher called being faithful to my sorrows mm. while I'm trying to do something. Like, no, do the thing. Yeah. Yeah, in the moment. It's not fancy, but it will get us through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How simple, how simple am I willing to let it be? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Well, let me know when you land. Will do. Send Thank me a message. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Hello. Hey, I don't see you yet. Yeah, my connection. There she comes. Hey. <laughs> right. I saw your name. I was so thrilled. <laughs> it's wonderful to talk to you. I just, I can't even tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, I, when I saw your name, I thought, oh, God, am I going to be able to hold it together if she comes on? <laughs> really will feel well, weepy. I've had 30 minutes to, you can see I'm flushed to get rid of my tears listening to your voice. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> and those of us that, of course, don't. No, uh, we're speaking to a long, important relationship. So. Very long. Yeah, so. I mean, everyone I've spoken to, I've known, you know, by 10 years or so, but ours has been very powerful. <laughs> it, it, indeed, it has. Uh, how, how is your daughter? Well, uh, this weekend, uh, she was chasing uh, her brother and myself around in the backyard with a squirt gun. Um, and uh, this is COVID so, recovery. Yeah. So this is the first week she got sick, March 24th, that uh, I've seen her with any energy to be mischievous. Uh, she's oh, 27. Two, two months. Yeah. Uh, she's, she ran a fever 
until last week. Um, and uh, now that that stopped, her fatigue has lifted and she's, um, <laughs> she was perky enough to uh, poke at everybody present this weekend. So that was good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm relieved about that. It's been a long haul for her uh, and, you know, the people that love her and want to keep her around. Yeah. So this is part of your appreciation and your sincerity of seeing things through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, very grateful. Um, very grateful. And, um, you know, the sincerity of, of practice and the railroad tracks, I think of, um, I work for the state, so I'm uh, in mental health and substance use. So I'm kind of participating in the apparatus that is, you know, doing what it's, what it's doing. And um, so trying to uh, avoid being uh, just eaten up with cynicism, being on the inside, seeing the sausage made and trying to be uh, a, a, a point of honest connection for the people that I deal with that are obviously very afraid and, and pushed to the limits of their mental health and substance use recovery, you know, through this crisis, and then backing that up into the programs that I run that also have been uh, disrupted by this. Yeah. And it's, um, it's wonderful to see you and hear your voice and be reminded um, just immediately I felt that embodiedness of no expectation and sitting and uh, that freedom. I mean, I, I think of it often. I don't know that I practice it very well. I get, it's hard not to get caught up in the the apparatus, the enterprise, as I call it, um, the mothership. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that you are just a prime example of, though, is you continue. Yes, yes. Against um, amazing challenges, and I appreciate that. And thank you. This is one of those things, almost like I want to say thank you for your service. Uh, you were in the service, but I mean... For what you're doing, uh, you've always done, even through difficult times in your own life, for the benefit of other people who are suffering in the state of Texas. You continue with amazing programs and creativity. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes, and I, I hope uh, to stay out of uh, cynicism and um, have the freedom to continue to offer that space to others so they can navigate because the minute I get cynical, you know, I don't believe that data or I can't believe they're putting out that statement or they want me to write that statement. <laughs> um, everything shuts down and it's, um, well, so guns becomes the red light on the dashboard that says, Oh, yes. I'm to pay attention. I'm starting yes. to veer into the ditch here. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, that is that is true 
So, but it, it's wonderful to see you and, and thank you so much for everything that you have given and taught me and so many others. Um, I just, you're present all the time in my work. Uh, I told you I'd been promoted to a manager and um, you just are there all the time. You know, it's like, hmm, what would Flint do? You know? <laughs> so. Well, just a small historical note too. Um, I know that it wasn't long after your own father died that we first met. Right, right. Um, here, here we are now after my father's. I know. Leaving some. I know. Um, so thank you for your care and appreciation. It really touches me. Appreciate it. Well, um, thank you for yours. And uh, I wish you peace as you continue to walk through this grief. Thank you. And thanks for having the courage to raise your hand. <laughs> well, take care, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Might have time for one more. You know, sometimes I will, uh, as Susan's coming on, that's okay, that's okay, come on in, Susan. I will speak to some of you as I have quite personally uh, with things that I know about your life, like I did with Jody and like I did with Wendy and others. Um, I'm blessed to know a lot of people and a lot of people have practiced with me over the years and it's, um, um, it's a way for me to express my sincerity and my appreciation to speak to some of those. So I hope it's okay for those of you that don't know all those details. It's I hope that what you can feel is sincerity. Hi, Susan. Hi, Flint. This is quick, but today I, found out that one of my favorite physicians has closed his local office. And oh. it was as though a closet full of small losses came tumbling out. That was the and last straw. <laughs> I, I realized that I've been kind of dealing with the big loss, but haven't been paying attention to all of these little losses and that I'm um, this morning kind of swamped in sadness because of the recognition of these, uh, these losses and these griefs. And I wanted to take advantage of this time to share that. So thank you for letting me share. Yeah, well, that's part of what we have to do with grief, isn't it? Is to tell our story at least a little and to have it heard and witnessed because witnessing is what helps it begin to move. Yes. Telling, yeah. witnessing. Telling it and making it more real instead of mm, just saying, oh, you've got a good life. Right. And not to diminish even the small ones and say, oh, that's nothing. What are you talking about? There's a lot of little nothings going on. That's right. That uh, nibble you to death, you know. Yes. Little bits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful for the chance to share that. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I had in the midst of the big picture these days and all the losses and changes. And then the intimate, smaller personal picture of my father's death. Mm. Yesterday, after taking a walk, a little dog followed Aaron home. It was lost. Someone had, I think, dropped it in the forest or something. 
and so we have this dog to deal with and we were not able to keep it so we have to and it brought up the little dog that we left in Austin that we didn't bring with us and so all this grief yeah you know came out of a surprise you yeah. know that I didn't know so um, all the little ones and all the big ones it's yeah. just one railway track thousand miles long thank you thank you and if you will uh, before we uh, finish for today and before Kim makes any final statements um, we'll recite the four practice principles to remind us of the, the real heart of our practice caught in the self-centered dream only suffering holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream each moment life as it is the only teacher being just this moment compassion's way caught in the self-centered dream only suffering holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream each moment life as it is the only teacher being just this moment compassion's way caught in the self-centered dream only suffering holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream each moment life as it is the only teacher being just this moment compassion's way i'll look forward to seeing you next week if possible and Please invite your friends along. Thank you, Kim. So we, we say uh, on Wednesday night that Appamata's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity. And um, I sometimes think about uh, college tuition and what that costs and then how much we get from Appamata and from Flint and Peg and the other teachers and I hope that you'll encourage yourself continue to encourage yourself and others to contribute to Appamata. This is the Appamata website and the contribution page is right. Uh, you'll see it on the right and you can choose to give Donna to uh, Flint Peg or just generally to Appamata and you can do monthly contributions or one-time contributions. So thank you for being here for inquiry and for continuing to support Appamata. Bye.